Hi, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of I Know Why the Nick Caged Bird Sings. The podcast where we watch every Nicolas Cage movie in chronological order so that you don't have to. I'm your host, my name is Steve. Joining me, as always, is the lovely, incomparable, all-knowing Hannah. Hannah, how are you this week? Why did I think you were going to say you were you weren't going to finish the word incomparable with incomparable? I thought you were going to say incompetent. Incompetent. <laughs> you are incompetent. I am feeling incompetent this week because I'm all discombobulated that we watched and were recording this movie on a Monday instead of a Sunday. Well, it was Super Bowl Sunday. Had to watch my football. I'm a yeah, big football fan. Really important to watch Tom Brady win for the 48th time or whatever such it was. A, it was such a bad game. The commercials were bad. The halftime show was bad. The game was bad. It was just a bad Super Bowl, which is indicative of the last few years. <laughs> yeah, I left during the fourth quarter to watch the Britney Spears documentary upstairs. <laughs> So look out for Hannah's subsequent podcast about Britney Spears. There, there actually, there is one. I know. That's why I mentioned that. Yeah. <laughs> People who break down her Instagram. Yeah. And the conservatorship yeah. and everything. It's, it's, even if you don't care about Britney Spears as an artist or a person, even just the whole concept of this conservatorship is very interesting because mm. usually someone of sound mind and body, which she seems to be, would never like in a legal one, proceeding. Yeah be able to get through that mm-hmm. like I, i'm just shocked that they were able to pass that yeah the only person i know who has a legal conservator is schizophrenic and i don't think mm. that they've proven that you know britney is schizophrenic well has any type of condition that would make her not of sound mind and body it's very interesting. Hey, what did I just say? Look Way out, more interesting look, than this movie. <laughs> look out! Look out for Hannah's subsequent uh, podcast. But speaking of sound, mon- sound mind and body, Nicolas Cage in this movie. Um, that was a bad segue. But this movie that we watched this week, The Runner, bad, not good. And it's it wasn't not, bad. It was just. It's just fine. It and was it's nothing the, to it's me. It's the ones that are nothing that are gonna kill me. Yeah. It's it's not the ones that are bad. It's not the ones that are so bad. They're good, obviously. I just didn't care about this. I just don't care. I don't care about this. I don't care about any of the characters. I don't care about the storyline. No, I'm gonna gloss over a lot of the storyline. Hopefully. Good. Yeah. I don't want to relive it. It's gonna take like hopefully ten minutes to recap Sweet. everything. Sweet. <laughs> Let's just get this wrapped up. <laughs> yeah. It's it's already late and it's. A weekday so mm-hmm. yeah I, I i have to edit after this so it'll be it'll be a long evening but anyhow we're gonna start this podcast off the way we usually do and that is hannah's going to relay some background information some behind the scenes where is nicholas cage at his life uh what are some of the numbers associated with this movie i should also say just in case our listeners hear anything different this week we are joined by our third guest, and that is our cat, so who is in here purring and snoring if you hear anything, <laughs> and if she starts meowing to be let out of the room. She sounds like a small motor. Yeah, so. It's it's unbelievable. She's not doing, she's not making too much noise right now. I think she's just confused. But anyhow, her first time on, on cracking the mics. Nope, no no noise, no noise. So we're no gonna response get, from Meeple. Yeah, so we're going to get started. Han, if you would, if you don't mind. This movie came out in 2015. It's the first movie from 2015 that we're seeing. So 
luckily that means that I get to relay some Nick Cage life events that happened in 2015. And that's lucky because there's literally nothing out there about this movie. Right, right. But in terms of numbers, we have a 4.7 out of 10 on IMDb and a 24% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, not good. I think it's. I think the movie overall it deserves better than that, but not much better than that. Mm-mm. But the most embarrassing thing that I found was mm-hmm. how much money this movie didn't make. How much did it not make? So this is from Wikipedia, so like take this with a grain of salt. But I mm-hmm. really couldn't find the box office anywhere else, and then the budget was also disputed across different platforms. Okay. So the budget's somewhere between four and six million. But the box office on Wikipedia read $20,000. Ooh. $20,106. That's rough. I mean... $20,000. That doesn't even pay, like... No. Like a lighting guy. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously, like, they must have... This must have been a limited release. It was. Because even if you... Even if you put it in more than a couple of theaters, you'll make more than that. So it must yeah, have it only must been... have been like one night only. Yeah, I wonder. <laughs> I wonder when exactly this movie came out, and if and if they were like trying to squeeze it in before the end I of the year February. for an Academy Award. Oh, so February. beginning of the year. So they were trying to bury this movie. Yeah. So because if people think that they have a really successful movie, they either release it around the holidays or in the summer. And you know what? This movie has like a star-studded cast. Yeah, I don't know that I'd Peter call it... Fonda's in this. Yeah, that's true. Like Sarah Paulson's in this. Yeah. The woman from uh Pleasantville. Oh, is that her? I'm pretty sure. Was the ex-wife? I think so. Or the wife? Yeah. We'll get into it. Interesting. Connie something or other. I recognize his campaign manager. Oh yeah, the as guy well. from uh Mad Men. Oh well the the guy from Mad Men, yeah. And then there was the guy from I recognized him from Horrible Bosses. Uh and I'm blanking on his name. Wendell Pierce. Who's the campaign manager? Yes. Yeah, he's in Horrible Bosses. He's in The Wire. He's in Selma. Yeah. Um. So he's a guy that that I've seen a lot before. There's as well. another guy in this movie that I don't know what character he was. I don't know who he played, but apparently he's been in four movies with Nicolas Cage, and that was one of two facts that I found. Which guy? About this movie, I have what to was look. His name? I literally didn't write it down because I was like, I don't know who that is, so I don't care. But hold on. Okay. <laughs> I think one of the movies was left behind, but I didn't <laughs> recall who he played. Okay. One of the people on the plane, I suppose. Mm. Judd Lormond? Mm. I don't know. They were in Rage, Left Behind, The Runner, and then an upcoming movie, USS Indianapolis, Men of Courage. Oh my God. So all the good ones. <laughs> Judd Lormond. This guy look familiar to you? No. <laughs> He was in the Hunger Games. He played Peacekeeper number three. So, oh. <laughs> so star power was what we were talking about. And I star studded cast. I think once you once you book Judd Lormond, <laughs> you know you've got a winner on your hands. You know you're making at least twenty thousand dollars. I mean, Judd Lormond probably got paid twenty thousand dollars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm so stupid. Very dumb. So. Those are the numbers. And then, like I said, I have two facts about this movie. One being that Judd Lormond is in it. 
that is that is an earth shattering fact <laughs> and the other being that peter fonda's in it and this is the second movie that nicholas cage has been in with peter fonda the first being of course ghost rider yeah. where peter fonda plays the devil that he makes a deal with oh god and Ms. then he doesn't Mr. come back in the Ms. second one mistopheles what's his name uh yeah mephistopheles yeah. mr mephistopheles <laughs> that's from cats <laughs> I know. Cats. I know. Speaking, of, we're we're talking a lot about cats. Speaking this of great week. movies. Yeah, I'd rather watch cats than this. Yeah, because cats is enjoyable. Cats it, is just weird, and it's hor- and it's just horrendousness. Like who just thought this CGI. was a who thought cats was a good idea? The T. S. Eliot. No, and like, Andrew Lloyd Webber. Who made the movie? Um, I don't know. Doesn't matter. It was some bad. Big wigs in Hollywood. Terrible. Anyway, what the else runner. <laughs> now we move on to Nick Cage and his life. A day in the life of Nicolas Cage yeah, in 2015. Like, just one more thing I have to say oh, about yeah. this movie. I, I was trying to come to terms with my thoughts on it. And I just really feel, I, I wrote this down, that the screenplay, like, at, so this movie, I don't think Steve even mentioned this, mm. but, oh, did you, the BP oil spill? Oh, have we even talked no. about this movie yet? No, we did. I just said this movie, and then I usually segue into a, a brief one sentence about the movie. Like I do that right at the beginning of the podcast usually, but this yeah. movie is already leaving my mind. <laughs> I don't know what this was about. So, it was about a congressman who was going to run for Senate because he was in he was involved with cleaning up the BP oil spill, but he has a bit of a fall from grace, and he tries to build himself back up. It's a good way to explain it. So. The BP oil spill was in 2010, so this movie yes. takes place in 2010, even yes. though it was made in 2015. My biggest problem with this is that 2010 is not so far off from 2006 when Hurricane Katrina happened, mm. and I don't think that this movie does much to highlight, elucidate, whatever you want to say, the ongoing crises in New Orleans mm-hmm. at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, so we'll talk about that, I guess, a little bit while we go through the movie. Like, I don't know any other movies. I'm sure that there have been some made Mm -hmm. about the BP oil spill, but, like, people died in the explosion. Uh, They said it in the movie. What, 11 people died? 11 people died, and then this was, like, a really big problem, and they kind of highlight it in in the movie that, especially for fishermen, that, you know... Yeah, because they they can't fish. The wildlife is dead. Right. So the and so you know the people who own the fishing companies they have to fire all the people all the mm-hmm. people are out of work and and they were probably just out of work because, because of Katrina of Katrina yeah and people and losing the their homes the and, yeah yeah so it, this movie doesn't care about that no it's <laughs> but yeah so we'll, I have some thoughts on that we can talk about at the end but yeah that was probably premature that's okay who cares this movie sucks <laughs> well. Nick did an interview for this movie, which is interesting because he didn't do that for the last movie, which I can't even recall what that was. Imagine how much money this movie would have made if he didn't do an interview. He made a million dollars for the last movie. Dying of the Light? Yeah. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think he did an interview for that, and I don't Mm -hmm. think he did an interview for the one. Oh, he definitely didn't do for Dying of the Light because of the whole... Oh, no, because of the scandal. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, it the was. the non disparagement. Non disparagement, not disclosure. Not non disparagement. No, it's usually a non disclosure agreement. It but was it a was non disparagement because we, they were afraid that they were yeah. going to shit talk the movie. <laughs> oh my! And honestly, I would have. I don't think it was that bad. No, I don't think so either. 
And I don't think he did one for Left Behind because why the fuck would he? (laughs) But he did this Wall Street Journal interview. And this interviewer is so boring and asks him probably all the same questions that he's been asked a million times. Like, do you read a lot of reviews or criticism? It's like, wow, I wonder how many times this man who's literally had a 50 long career at the 50 year long career at this point. Yeah. You know, has answered that question. Oh, yeah. So he said yes and no. He's been doing this for nearly 50 years. There's only so many times that I can try to be James Dean. I need to explore other areas to keep me interested. And then he like goes off on a tangent as he does. He says, Mm -hmm. I enjoy art. I loved to listen to Chopin in quiet moments. I was trying to see if I could do something more avant-garde or Baroque with film performance. Which doesn't answer the question, do you read your own reviews? No, it doesn't. But I thought it was interesting to hear him talk about himself, so... Yeah, well, let me tell you something. Um, the performance he turns in in The Runner is none of those things. <laughs> it's not avant-garde. It's very paint-by-numbers. It's yeah. fine. It's, he, you know, he's not bad no. by any means. I think he's very serviceable in this role, but it's not, well, it's not avant-garde. Well, so that is further explored in the interview mm. when the interviewer asked, has the way that you prep for roles changed since the early days of your career? The answer is yes. but So, mm-hmm. in yes. And Nick, in a very diplomatic or eloquent way, I guess you could say. Okay, so he gives like a non-answer? Yeah. I... <laughs> or does he go on a ramble? Yeah. <laughs> or but he basically he basically says what everyone's thinking, and it's, yeah, I don't give a fuck anymore. <laughs> So he says, it's changed in the way that I've developed a shorthand to performance. Oh. So yeah. he's just taking shortcuts. Absolutely he is. He's saying that I don't need to live the part as much. I don't know how to put it into words, but it's like a rush. Yeah. I don't know what he means by any of that. But it to me, that sounds like I no longer care. I need to just keep making movies to pay off my debt. Yeah. To me, it sounds like he's justifying it by saying, like, you know how when you don't prepare for, let's say, a a school project, but you prepare a little bit and you think, maybe I can BS my way through it and you have to stand in front of the class. Mm -hmm. There's a rush to that. For sure. And like if you you successfully BS your way through it and you you get an A. High reward for, for, for no effort. No effort, high reward, exactly. And I think that's what he's alluding to. Yeah, unfortunately... Uh, low effort, low reward on oh this Oh my one. god. For the last like 10 films that we've watched, they've been low effort, low reward. Except Joe. I liked Joe. Oh, Joe was good. And the one before that, the Frozen Ground was good. Mm-hmm. Um, so the interviewer asked if he, if he gets that rush that he's explaining on mm. every set. Mm-hmm. And he says, I would like to. Yeah. Um, he probably didn't he says, last week. You, no, uh, or this week. Mm. Said you don't know who the other people you're going to be working with. You don't get the luxury of knowing that. Sometimes you don't want to be creative at all. It's all a part of filmmaking. I haven't had too many bad experiences. It's just been a long time. So he, he's just tired. He doesn't want to be doing this <laughs> It's so funny that like watching those one or two episodes that we watched of the history of swear words and how he seems to have found a second wind later in life. Certainly. Maybe. And I think that that comes with like the internet to be honest yeah and, and like the memes the memes yeah and i and i think part of it too is that he had some massive success 
as him being cast as one of the Spider-Men in this in the animated Spider-Man movie because that movie was huge and I feel like that put a little bit of wind in his sails. That's fair. I also think that our generation in particular has just a deep respect for like our own nostalgia, mm-hmm. I would say. Mm-hmm. And it's not that we were all children when National Treasure came out. I think we were all you know, in in our generation in particular, at an age where, like, we finally can really comprehend what's going on and kind of, like, dive deeper into a film. And that movie just, like, really stuck with a lot of people. Oh, yeah. So I think that looking back on our young adult lives with that, those rose-colored glasses, like, I always think of National Treasure. Absolutely. So I think that, you know, with with the internet, with the memes, with, you know, Mm -hmm. us right now, like, we're talking about them, and we have, you know, our listeners who might be in a very similar boat to us where it there's you know one movie of Nicolas Cage's from your young adult life that just really resonated with you and Mm -hmm. I think that he has that power I guess over people yeah definitely I think to your point that National Treasure for example came out for our people in our generation in really formative years you know so high school exactly And and those are years that you know people oftentimes look look back fondly on and I think that Maybe people who are 10 or 20 years older than us did the same thing with Chuck Norris. You remember 10 years ago? Yes. You know, everything was a Chuck Norris joke because he was an action star of the, you know, 70s, 80s. Yep. Yeah. So I think I think these kinds of things are cyclical is what I'm is what I'm guessing. So I'm guessing in another 10 years, there's going to be another crazy actor or actress who people are going to jump on board on the bandwagon of like oh man i love this movie growing up it's Mm -hmm. so funny and and now this actor's such a crazy person he doesn't care she doesn't care anymore she just takes whatever roles who cares and i have i have a feeling it'll come back around with someone else but for now we're here to talk about nicholas we're here to talk about nicholas cage (laughs) who like in the 2010s i would say a lot of critics and people i suppose after the resurgence of his career through the internet and Mm -hmm what may have you have come out and said that, you know, Nick is really one of the most underrated actors of his generation. And I think that he's appropriately rated. He has, he has a golden globe or I mean, not a golden globe. He has a, an Academy award. I think he has, I think he has a golden globe. He probably does too, which is bigger than a golden globe. Well, yeah, he's an Oscar. He's an Oscar winner. Oh yeah. So I think that any Oscar winner is appropriately rated if they have been awarded that prize. But I mean, I don't know. I, I personally think that he's. He I, he says it himself. He's like I. He's not trying anymore. <laughs> I'm not trying anymore. But also, like I want to do things that are avant garde and and baroque and whatever his fucking nouveau shamanicism is. Yeah. You know, he comes out and 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 says, you know, I am different, and yeah. that's why people like me. And I think he's not at this point in time in 2015. He's not really getting the opportunity to do that because he's doing these really simple. Yeah, I, I wanted to wait until 2017, but he there's like a quote from him saying, mm. "I need to take whatever I can get because I have to pay off my debt." So yeah. it's like that's what he's been doing since 2011. Yeah, when he had that big housing scandal. Yeah, like yeah, whatever you want to call it. Uh, yeah, tax scandal. Tax scandal, works. scandal. We got scandals on the brain because this movie t- it takes place yeah. over the course of a few scandals, but, sex scandals and stuff. But. Yeah. But I think he's getting his opportunity to do those weird 
baroque avant-garde things now. now. Like with the like have a you seen the swear words. And have you seen the the preview or the trailer for Wally's Wonderland? Yes. Yeah, weird, man. Weird. Mom and dad look super weird. Mm-hmm. Um where he's like a zombie dad, like uh, there's there's one where he's covered in blood. I forget the name of it, but it's coming up. So we're going to enter a weird phase, sort of he's a gonna renaissance. He's going to play Joe Exotic. He's going to play Joe Exotic. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, the, if he, that's not avant-garde. He reprises his role from Deadfall in, in an yeah, upcoming yeah, yeah. movie. <laughs> so he'll get his time to shine. But Absolutely. for now, you know, he's coming out and saying that he likes all these things, but he just doesn't do them currently. <laughs> and then, you know, just to close this all out, the interviewer asked, is this movie indicative of projects that you're attracted to these days? And in also in a very eloquent but diplomatic way, he kind of says like, no, but I did it anyway. Yeah. I mean, it, there are such movie star answers. Like when you watch a late night show with one of the Jimmys, for example, they're always like, you know, what was your experience like on set? Well, you know, it's 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 a, it's, you know, it's, big, it's a, a big experience. Yeah, the director's <laughs> got a really clear vision and I respect that and you know, I'm really looking forward to the next project. It's just different. Yeah, I, I mean he's he says I pick whatever I think is the best opportunity in front of me in terms of being well up well executed. If that's not like the most lawyer answer I've ever yeah. heard. But also well executed could mean how few days do I have to send on set? Spend on set, and, and that's what he said in the previous <laughs> answer. He was like, "I used to, you know, get into character for yeah. this long." He's like, "Now yeah. I can be on this project for three months and I'm done." Yeah, yeah. It's like he's over this shit. Absolutely. And then the last question they ask him is, "Could you ever be a politician?" He says, "No, I'm not wired that way. I often wonder what makes somebody want to be a politician in the first place. I like to think it's because they care, but sometimes it gives me pause for thought." So Nick Cage is not a fan of politicians. Yeah, that adds up. That trends. Last thing before oh. we get into the movie, mm-hmm. um, the year is 2015. I promised some Nick Cage life, you know, happenings. Yeah. What's going on? So this is the year that Nicolas Cage, unfortunately, has to return something that he purchased, something <laughs> that meant a lot to him. And that thing is a dinosaur skull um, from the whatever, like Mesozoic era. Oh. In um, Mongolia. Mongolia. It turns out that this... So he purchased it at a luxury auction in Manhattan. Oh, okay. Um, for $276,000. <laughs> and it was an anonymous buyer, but we oh, learned later that oh, that, that anonymous buyer was Nicolas Cage. As it turns out, the skull had actually been stolen mm-hmm. from the Gobi Desert in Mongolia, the buyer was Nick Cage, an actor who, among his dozens of films, has starred in a movie tr- franchise about the hunt for treasures. So <laughs> it's only fitting that he would want to purchase this artifact. Many stolen remains have been traced to a Florida man, of course, <laughs> named Eric Prokopi. Sorry to give him some airtime here. Fuck you, Eric <laughs> Fuck you, Eric, <laughs> who in 2012 was arrested and charged with smuggling illegal goods and possessing stolen property. Oh, wow. Um, and so correct me if I'm wrong, but there was a, a subsequent interview where we found out that he never got his money back for that. No, no. He had to just return it <laughs> yeah. to the Mongolian government and lost $276,000. Adding to his financial woes. I mean, he made $1 million on last oh, week's that's movie. True. So. <laughs> that's true. That movie sucked. <laughs> and he wasn't on set for very long, no. too, right? Yeah. 
So Christ. here we are just in the dark ages, like trying to get through. Nick Cage is like yeah. literally returning stolen property. Things just aren't going well for him. And he doesn't care about these movies anymore <laughs> as highlighted in that glowing interview. Amazing. Well, thank you, <laughs> Hannah, for that beautiful recap of 2015. Certainly. Yeah, nothing happening in his love life, but pretty soon there will be. That's a shame because he's been with this wife, Alice, Alice Kim, Kim, since like 2007. Yeah. And I believe this is his longest, will be his longest marriage. Oh, well, yeah, because after yeah. her is his shortest marriage, which I'm excited. <laughs> it's like excited. 72 hours or something like oh, that. Oh, don't Not spoil even. it. <laughs> I don't remember. I don't remember. It's longer that. than Lisa Marie. Oh, no, it's shorter than Lisa Marie. Shorter than Lisa Marie. Okay. All right. I don't even remember I think when Lisa that Marie was like six months or something. Oh, okay. That that is such a blur in the time of this podcast. Yeah, it was like two thousand one, maybe. Man, that we're was in back... twenty fifteen. Oh my god, that was back when Did we were. Did COVID doing like... even happen yet? And when we were doing movies in two thousand one, I don't remember. Probably. Yo. I don't know. <laughs> Release me from this prison what that is year? watching these Nicolas Cage I movies. <laughs> I wonder, like, when you look. I think have I mentioned this to you on the podcast hmm. before? But like, when you look back in the future on COVID, are you going to think of? us watching the cage movies no i think i'm just gonna think of the existential dread mm, yeah a lot of that <laughs> no because we started this before covid i think yeah but i i mean we this is the thing that we sort of like look forward to every week it's like something to do <laughs> i mean yeah you do right, we don't look forward to it but it's something to do every week it's not like just i like recording the podcast i yeah. don't like watching the movie Right. Well, <laughs> I have to es- I have to essentially watch it three times. Well, yeah. <laughs> in, in... I don't know if we've exposed this before, but hmm. at the beginning of this podcast, we both did our fair share of editing. Yeah. You know, we were still learning. Yeah. I would say for the last 60 or so episodes, Steve has single-handedly edited the podcast. Yeah. And Steve also single-handedly runs our Instagram account. So. Which I'm the worst person to do that. because I do pretty well. I'm terrible at Instagram. I'll see the things pop up. I, I find the captions to be humorous. I can write a funny caption every once in a while, but like r- responding appropriately and like... Or at all. <laughs> like doing doing like fan engagement. Like it's not, yeah. I'm not like. No offense if anyone has tried to yeah, engage us. Steve is really shitty at this. So maybe I'm I so should take over. It. Yeah, I'm so bad at it. But anyway. I feel like I need to pull my weight here. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I usually dominate the conversation. So it's all right if I have to do all the work later. Yeah. Yeah. Anyhow, do we have to go through this movie now? Up to you. It's <laughs> your part. No, we have to keep it consistent for the listeners. Every episode is someone's first episode of the podcast. You're That's welcome. what they teach you in podcasting 101. Yeah, not... the class that we've definitely taken. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so. I know someone who's starting a podcast, and I sent yeah. them a uh, long list of things I wish I knew when I started a podcast. Mm. So if, if you're out there and you are interested in starting a podcast um hit us up because i've already written out this entire iphone or i yeah iphone note (laughs) it's like (laughs) yeah six paragraphs long so i'm happy to just share it with you if no effort required if you do start a podcast please do not make a competing start a podcast (laughs) where you are actually super kind to Nicolas cage i think we're actually pretty fair i don't think think we're too kind i don't think we're too mean no we're we, we judge his performance in, in the overall Bi- film. Bipartisan here? Yeah, I think so. Are we bipartisan? Is that what bipartisan means yeah, in this context? Ne- neither here 
you know, not taking. <laughs> Love that. Neither here nor, you know. You know. <laughs> Love that. Okay. Let's go through this piece of shit film. And I say piece of shit film. It's really not that bad. This to me is another film that I think we've talked about on a previous podcast where it's like, you know, you would come home from a night out with your friends at the mall when you're a teenager and your parents would be sitting on the couch watching a movie like this. And you're like, oh, like, what are you watching? What are you watching? It's like, oh, it's this boring it's about movie. It's the BP oil spill. I'd be like, okay, I'm going to bed. <laughs> and I'm going to bed. I'm going to go text my friends all night. Like, and they're <laughs> just, you know, but they don't care. You know, they're just content. And it's just like, yeah, we tried something new tonight, you know? And mm-hmm. that that's what this reminds me of. I don't know. I just have such clear memories of that kind of thing. I don't know if you feel the same. I mean, your parents would watch the same movies over <laughs> my mom watched the the nicole kidman movie about the tsunami like every night for three weeks it was, it's so sad it's, wrong. it's so sad it's where tom holland got his start he wouldn't then go on to become spider-man speaking of spider-man didn't they also watch uh the hangover, the hangover. every night that one was like for a year and a half Every night was the hangover. Were you in college then? So you like came home I, from college? I was every age because <laughs> as soon as the hangover came out, they never stopped watching it. it to like, this day. It was on a loop. They're like, well, we can't get on a plane because how are we going to stop watching <laughs> the hangover? The hangover. It doesn't make any sense. Steve. Is it when they would take a break from the hangover or they would watch the Nicole Kinnaman tsunami movie? The tsunami movie was more exclusively my mom, but. Gotcha. Yeah. And then in between that and the hangover would they mm-hmm. watch the runner by nicholas yeah King? they'd watch just something like this and they'd be like you know what it's fine it's okay let's just keep watching it because it gives us comfort knowing what how it ends <laughs> I, I guess i, I didn't I, expect I did the ending that, like that so this is so just a tangent completely mm. off topic but i heard a psych i, I read like this psychology you mm-hmm. know opinion mm-hmm. piece where the psychologist was essentially saying that this year, um, you know, not a lot of con- new content has come out for obvious reasons, right. but people have really been drawn to old stuff. I think Disney mm-hmm. Plus is really blown up because mm-hmm. it has like all the classics. And they were saying that, especially in times of crisis and, you know, a pandemic like this, yeah. people have no very little control over, I guess, what's going on in the state of the world but sure they do know that if they watch a movie where they know the ending then that's at least mm. something that they have control over yeah similarly to why so many people are getting engaged it's mm. like well i have i need something to look forward to and i mm. you know want control over something in my life mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. i'm going to get married because then at least that's right. s- something stable but mm. even though a lot of people who have been getting engaged i, I may argue it's not going to be very stable. <laughs> wow. Whoa. Shots fucking fired. <laughs> Fortunately, none of our close friends got engaged during the pandemic. No, no, no. They, like talking... some of them were engaged before the pandemic yeah. and then had to make some tough decisions about oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. their weddings. And I, were... I don't. No. Yeah. Envy that. I mean, more people who have not been together that long, but due to the pandemic. Oh started living together and then they were like well i guess we can get married right like, well maybe you should wait until after a pandemic to yeah. decide if you still like each other <laughs> well you know people really look down on or we're really looking down on people who did something big because it's something that they have control over oh we bought a house and got a cat <laughs> so 
doing is we, we totally fall into that category. We totally of, fall into that category. Just, yeah. We essentially bought a house so that we have something to look forward to. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> I think we've, I think we already were looking for a house before That's the true. pandemic. Uh, so if you're still listening, if you're still listening, God bless you. You have the patience of a fucking saint. (laughs) Right. We should probably cut most of this right in and let us know if you appreciate us talking about our personal lives. My guess is no. (laughs) You don't give a fuck. (laughs) You don't give a fuck. All right. So the movie opens up as Hannah alluded to in that is. Ham. What What did you just call me? Hannah. Oh. I'm gonna go. I'm, I edit this, so I'm gonna go back and make sure I did not call you Ham. I heard Ham. <laughs> yeah, oh my God! What is? I, we came up every every fucking Sunday or Monday night when we record. We come into this room and go, "Let's make it a short one." Oh, we God. haven't gotten into the movie yet, and it's 35 all minutes. All right, we're cutting all of this. Out. What's this wee business? I am going to <laughs> hold you hostage. <laughs> <laughs> I'm losing it, Han. I'm losing it watching these movies. You, you, you just sneeze <laughs> ten times. What? Oh my god! That's such a niche joke. And <laughs> don't put it in. God, I don't know where I'm gonna cut any of this shit. As Ham suggested. <laughs> <laughs> the movie opens up on news coverage of the BP oil spill down in Louisiana in 2010. Nick Cage is looking sad boy Nicky because he's a congressman in Louisiana. And the real first meaty scene that we see of Nicolas Cage is he's at, I guess it's um, uh, not City Hall. What, what would that build? The Capitol building, I guess. <laughs> the Louisiana Capitol building? I think he's in D.C. Oh, yeah. yeah. He, mm-hmm. he was. And he's talking to the government. Nicolas Cage was spotted in D.C. filming this movie. And wow. spotted in New Orleans filming this movie. Well, he's spotted in New Orleans <laughs> like every minute of every day. Yeah. So it's not really. But so he's, it, so he's in the Capitol building and he's saying to whoever's in the building, whoever will listen, hey, the people of Louisiana need our help. And we notice immediately he's got what I would think is probably the worst Louisiana accent I've ever heard in my entire life. I... Don't recall how many movies he's filmed now where his character's from Louisiana, but he's never tried this bullshit before. Conservatively, I think 25 of his 75 movies that we've seen so far, approximately. He's tried an accent. No, or, they're or from Louisiana. Louisiana. <laughs> I think. It's around that number. How have you not perfected it yet? He hasn't even tried it yet. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> this is the first time. Yeah. Unbelievable. He He sounds like... Like an old timey, like how would you even describe this? <laughs> <laughs> like like an old timey broadcaster? Is that where you're going? With? No, like like from the office. From the office. I do oh, declare. Yeah, yeah, but that's also mixed with like a New York accent. Yeah, like, well, hey, we, we gotta get, get these. It's like you know, <laughs> we gotta help out these fishermen's here. You know, <laughs> it's like that's not Louisiana. That's like Brooklyn. I do declare we got to help out these fishermen's here. Yeah, and then he'll be like, there's been a murder. <laughs> there's been a murder. Down in the bayou. 
And it's like, Nick, Crawfish what are you doing? Too fat. What are you, this, it's just going in and out, and it's very bothersome. Anyhow, in this uh, <laughs> Capitol building scene, he's also sort of spitting as he's <laughs> talking. He's getting very angry. Mm-hmm. Something fell out of his mouth saliva. at some point. <laughs> Something fell out. <laughs> I don't know what it was. It could have been a tooth for all I know. Unidentified object. <laughs> yeah. He also tears up, and it's because mm-hmm. of this tearful passionate speech that he gives at city hall that he starts getting noticed in the papers people say hey maybe you should run for senate and he's like i don't really care about that right now i gotta help out the people of louisiana and he's in the car and he's talking to somebody who won't give him any of any product that he needs to help clean up the spill and this is where we get his first scream he's screaming at somebody on the phone enlighten me mr morris who do i need to call get trucks bringing in soft boom every day admiral allen goddamn president no, 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 believe me, I understand, and I'm not trying to be rude. I'm just sick of all this posturing. You don't think I've been through this before? Katrina, Rita, Gustav, Ike. Thank you. That's all I wanted to hear. So, you know, that's not going to be the best scream no. uh, of this movie, that's for sure. But it's a good start. Piques my interest. Absolutely, yeah. You know, it gets the juices flowing. Um, <laughs> Tickles my pickle. We are introduced to his wife at one point and then and then quickly introduced to the woman he's having an affair with. Um, Ooh, the, scandal. The number of times I wrote down the word ew in my notes. Disgusting. Nick is back to his old ways. He's eating faces. <laughs> he's just devouring these women, these poor women. This poor young woman, too. Back to his old ways. Because the whole point is that she's a much younger woman who is the wife of one of the fishermen who was put out of work. Super old, too. What's she doing with him? Exactly. What is she doing with him? No, with the fisherman. No, the fisherman wasn't that old. He Wasn't he, like, grandpa age? No. He was a young man. (laughs) He was in his mid to late 20s. Oh, I was thinking someone else. Yeah, no, there there was just another (laughs) character later, and he was a different fisherman. And you were like, oh my god, is that the husband? And even while we were watching the movie, I said, no, it's not him. They, they showed him earlier, it's a different person. And no, you were like, knew, oh, okay. I, yeah. After that conversation, I knew, but uh-huh. I still, looking no. back, he had a beard. He was a much older man. He was in one scene, and I don't think he had a single line. No. This, this husband. <laughs> just I don't an know. extra. Yeah, I don't know why we're talking about it so much. <laughs> Anywho, I wrote down ew a million times in this movie. So, of course, the affair gets out, and it essentially ends his career. He's with his wife, his campaign manager, Sarah Paulson, who's his publicist, and his wife slaps him across the face, which is always good to see. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, always good to see. he sleeps on the couch, and you see a great, a few good glorious shots of his chest hair, which I mm, think is really... Oh, it's just feathered Lush. and lethal. <laughs> Lush. So the he is, uh, isn't he wearing like a button-up purple shirt? Yeah, something like that. It's fully just, open. Oh yeah, with his sprawled open with his lawn with his gut. <laughs> I don't know if you really see like that. He's got a gut. It, there are shirtless there are shots some of him that he doesn't look in the best shape. But his running, which I don't think we've mentioned yet, he does go for runs because this movie's called The Runner. <laughs> um did not put two and two together i know it took me way too long too to figure that out also did we determine whether or not colin price was a real person or is he's not okay so this was entirely made up Mm -hmm. okay except the bp oil spill happened right of course i wasn't sure if he was an actual person like if this was based on a true story i did some loose research Mm -hmm. and 
nothing came up. Yeah. So anyway, his run, usually in action movies, Nick Cage's run is very bow-legged. Like he just got off a horse (laughs) and he just, and his knees are like way far apart. Yeah. He's got something wedged up his ass (laughs) and he just can't really run, but he actually, you know, he jogs pretty normal in this movie. Yeah. He's like decent form. Mm -hmm. Impressive. So he may go for a run or something, but when he comes back, he finds that his dad, who is a former mayor, Peter Fonda, Fonda, and a former mayor of the city of New Orleans, I guess. And uh, he's there who's had his fair share of experiences with scandals. So he asks his dad for advice. And the dad's advice is, you need to suck it up and take it like a man. And then Nick Cage screams. Like a man? We're in the middle of a disaster here. People are suffering. I can't even leave my house. I've already left these people out to dry. This ain't about you doing your job. This of course not. It was never about that for you. I was the best mayor this city ever had. And then you lost again and again. Why are you here? Why is he here? <laughs> disaster. I think the disaster. It's a disaster. It's, it's uh, New York. It's a, it's a disaster. That's, it's, <laughs> that's what kills me in this movie. So he resigns. His wife leaves him. He's looking like hell. He Every, looks so bad. Everything's going downhill. He started drinking again. He was a former, well, he's an alcoholic. He, he recovering was sober, alcoholic. recovering alcoholic. He was sober, but he started drinking again. Everything's just going way downhill. What he's doing now, though, is he's working pro bono uh, for a charity to help the families and the workers of those fishermen, particularly, mm-hmm. who were displaced by the BP oil spill and the hurricane. So he's this charitable organization yep. nonprofit. he's doing great work but it they even say it's a great cause but it's really just not working until they get things start looking up out of nowhere he gets he bp finally pays up and pays his charity three and a half million dollars and uh sarah paulson comes back into his life and they start banging which is so really gross. gross so gross so disgusting like i guess she's closer in age than the other person but than the fisherman's than wife. the fisherman's wife, <laughs> the cheerleading coach, <laughs> but Sarah Paulson's way out of his league. Yeah. Also, she's topless in this movie, and she's looking great. Yeah. Unbelievable. Brief nudity. Yes, very brief. Not his, hers. <laughs> all the. Well. Anywho. He has shown it all. I wrote down "ew" three or four more times because he's just eaten face. He devours other people's faces. Yeah. So things are looking up. Um, and then his dad dies and I guess that sends him a bit on a spiral because he takes a meeting with, with this guy from Mad Men who (laughs) we can't figure out what he does. I forget his name in Mad Men. Sal? Saul? Yeah. Yeah. He's He's the the creative director gay guy. He's the gay guy who, who gets fired for being gay in like the first season of Mad Men. It's like the fourth season. Is it really? Yeah, he makes it it pretty far because he hides hides his homosexuality for a while. Right. All right. It's a good show. Watch that Uh, instead of this. Incredible. Hannah's just a big fan of John Hammond. Uh, John Hammond and I share a birthday, so we have a spiritual connection. There you go. Now you know Hannah's birthday. So <laughs> it's coming up. <laughs> so yeah, so his dad dies and that sort of sends him on a spiral. Things are going poorly to the point where he then take drives his car and crashes it into his, his old house. house. Like it was his old house, but it's now his wife's house. Mm-hmm. He's bleeding out of his head. We're like, oh my God, maybe he's trying to kill himself or something. But she nurses him back to health, and then there's a montage with a voiceover of her talking about what it's like to be a powerful man, 
and <laughs> then he like takes the money from this guy from Mad Men who like it's one of those things where it's a weird deal where it's like you can take this money and you can run for senate if you take our money but then you also are in the pockets of the oil company or something that you're trying to fight it's like really it's not really well fleshed out i think i don't know and it also goes against everything that he's been working toward exactly he's been working for the fishermen this entire time but then trying to do good trying to do good he's doing pro bono work for this charity for this nonprofit. And then the movie ends with him giving a, a really loud speech, which I'll insert. Similar to the beginning. Yeah, I'll, but I'll, I'll insert some of it in a moment. But it's a loud speech and it pans out and it's to the oil workers. And he's like rallying the oil workers saying like, you know, we, we got to get you, we got to get you better jobs. And because he's running against someone for Senate who wants to end all drilling in Louisiana. Yeah, and is promoting yeah. just like green energy right. in general. And Nick Cage is like, no, we got to you know, protect the jobs of our people. And the movie ends. And the, I, and the, Like, what? Yeah. Oh, also, he breaks up with Sarah Paulson over the Who's... phone. And it's another one of those very Shatner moments where he's like, I don't know why <laughs> you're breaking up with me. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, so anyway, he, sc- he screams at these people, I think one of the best lines. He doesn't understand that you cannot afford to send hard-earned American dollars to the Middle East. And um, that's the movie. I think I did that in record time. Yeah, that was very impressive. I don't think that there's anything else of note to talk about in that movie. Certainly not. Also, what am I supposed to get out of that? Yeah, okay, so here's my thought, right? My thought is when you have a movie like this, Let's take, for example, the World Trade Center movie, right? The character that he plays is meant to represent something larger than a person, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So a movement, when, whatever. Right. Uh, there were a, a ton of themes in that movie, from what I recall, of finding the light in the darkness, yes. right? There, there were Very many literally. images. <laughs> right, but there were many images. and There's a ton of imagery in The Weatherman. There were, mm-hmm. it, it was mm-hmm. a movie about always coming in second place. Mm-hmm. And so you would see these this imagery of him always being second in line or something like that. And this movie should be about a disaster happens and how do you clean it up? How do you clean up a disaster? Not only the BP oil spill, but his how own, do you, he you should, know, his own sh- scandal. Right. And it seems as though the way to clean it up is to say, to well, take if you money can't from beat, the bad guys. If you can't beat them, join them. Yeah. What kind of message is that supposed to send? It's bad. Terrible. And this movie, it's not sad enough to be a good tragedy. No. And it's not and a it's comedy. It's not a feel-good movie either. It's just nothing. It's really a waste. So that's my analysis of this movie. Do you have any other closing thoughts before we move on to some awards? No. I mean, like I said, I, I don't know what emotion this movie is intended to invoke in me. Yeah. Evoke in me. Invoke in um, I. <laughs> I evoke making... from me. Because um, yeah. I feel nothing. <laughs> <laughs> These last few movies, I felt nothing. But, you know, I've that's just... never felt less in my life. <laughs> so, anyhow, declining mental state aside, let's move on to our Nicolas Cage Awards, as we like to award at the end of every episode. First, part. first going to Best Supporting Actor. Sarah Paulson. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> she got topless for this movie. Good honor, you know. 
For what? I know. For, not worth for, it. Not worth not it. Not worth it. What? Why? It was, to what avail? It was such a terrible cut, too. So here's the order of events, right? They find out that he's awarded the $3.5 million, and the local fishermen throw him a big bayou barbecue. Hmm. And it's a crawdad, you know, there's all the shrimp and the crab and the crawdad on the table. And then he brings Sarah Paulson, and they have a nice smile across the table, like looking at each other because they're like hooking up. Cut and to. And then, bam, they're banging. Mm-hmm. They are naked on top of each other, and there's like some, like Paula. What's her name? The the one who sings the song about like the soldier. Paula Abdul. <laughs> no, hold on. What? <laughs> I don't remember the song playing at at this moment in the movie. The, the singer who's like who sings the Where Have All the Cowboys Gone? Paula Cole. Yeah, her. Okay. What's the name of that song? I don't want to wait for my life to be over. I feel like it's like very reminiscent of that. Like that's the song that's playing. It's like, let's take these moments and make them ours together. And then they're just like banging. And then Sarah Paulson's so boom pops out. <laughs> so gross. Don't understand this movie. Okay. So anyway, Sarah Paulson is best supporting actor. <laughs> sure all right great fantastic i don't know who else it would be there aren't like no one else was good in this no. not even peter fonda no there wasn't like a kid or a dog or something that stood out <laughs> we know who's best supporting actor yeah. <laughs> i can't even i already forget his name judd lorman <laughs> <laughs> yes you are right judd lorman. judd lorman all right it goes to judd lorman sorry sarah paulson maybe next time that guy who's been in like the last four movies with nicholas well, cage for whatever reason he's just like an extra it'll be like man in line number four you're like great unbelievable uh all right next nicholas cage award is best dressed it's probably the open purple mm. button-up shirt with the Lush chest hair. Yeah, it may have been a robe, which is even better. But, Ooh, yeah. hot. <laughs> hot. <laughs> uh, the worst Nicolas Cage scene. Does anything stand out as being, that was absolute garbage? Because we've had a few really good ones in the last few episodes, but nothing really stands out for me this week. I mean, was it the sex scene? Probably. <laughs> just, just munching on face. Oh. <laughs> oh, he does munch face. So gross. <laughs> That's such a great phrase. All right. The best the best Nick Cage scene. You gotta give one. Just rolled my eyes. Um, I know. To me Maybe the the first one. Where he's in this uh Capitol building? Yeah. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I guess. I don't know of anything else that stands out. How about the one in the car when he's on the phone? Where he's screaming. I mean, if you're going to give it to a scream scene, you should give it to the one where he screams at his dad. That one's probably going to win best scream, though. Oh, yeah. But that scene wasn't particularly good. No. Give it to that first one where you, when you realize how bad his accent is. Oh, I like that. I like that a lot. Okay, great. Uh, all right, so the best scream. Whatever is, he says to his dad. <laughs> 
And finally, the most nouveau shamanic moment. It's for the those... fact that 20... Per... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, for those new listeners of our podcast, nouveau shamanism is Nick Cage's own acting style. We'll write a book about it one day. Which is modern kabukiism uh, is what he's trying to channel. Yeah, I mean, channel. as you heard in this podcast, it is that avant-garde Baroque shit mm. that he likes. So what's the most artsy... Baroque, um, nouveau shamanic choice he makes in this movie. That's what this award goes to. Not sure if it would be considered nouveau shamanism, but the thing that I come to is the fact that 25% of Nicolas Cage's movies have taken place in New Orleans, mm. and not once has he tried an accent, and this time he does, and he fails at it. So it's his accent. It's the fact that he... It's all of that, is what you're saying. Yeah, it's okay. like the fact that this is the time that he chose because it, it was clearly very intentional that this mm-hmm. like of all the movies that he's made in this city this is the one that he wants to try an accent for well and I that guess, feels very nouveau shamanic to me i guess to his credit maybe he knew that nobody would watch it and so he could try out <laughs> something new it's true <laughs> but i agree i think that it's I, like a rehearsal yeah okay all right han i have yeah, I mean, sorry, that's not like textbook nouveau no, shaman. But he didn't. So what we typically do is like, oh my god, remember how he moved his hands in this he scene? Doesn't he do doesn't. He doesn't do anything like that. He plays a pretty straight character, yeah. as yeah. he also noted yeah. in his interview. Yeah. Hey, it's Hannah from the future. We forgot to rank this movie. So while Steve was recording, he grabbed me and said, Han, we forgot to rank this one. Very important that we do. So I wanted to pop on here and let you know where we decided to rank this. So we decided that the runner sits between bringing out the dead and left behind at slot 63. Um, after evaluating 62, I'm sorry. After evaluating all of the movies that are right above it, we realized that there are enjoyable moments in those that don't exist in the runner. Thank you. Goodbye. So Han, next week. It's a movie that I remember hearing the title too and being like yeah. the fuck is that uh it's a movie called pay the ghost yeah that and i don't know really much about it i can look it up right now but what does it have 10 percent. fuck me <laughs> so we're going back down <laughs> we are going Remember when you told me there's nowhere down. to go but up uh yeah let's see <laughs> Han. no Han. no Han. no a professor frantically searches for his son who was abducted during a Halloween carnival. It's Taken again. Oh, my God. Except now he's a professor. How many times is he going to do Taken? And then wasn't there also a carnival during Knowing? I don't recall. When they go to the caves? The caves won't save you. That's all I remember. <laughs> Maybe I'm thinking of a different movie. No, the carnival. There was a carnival at the end of Deadfall. Yeah, um, I might be thinking of a different movie. I don't know. Holy shit. <laughs> this is going to be fun. Uh, I also am expecting to be sick next weekend. Oh, so yeah. we might record next Monday. Okay. <laughs> Should we talk about our title? Our oh, podcast? yeah. Okay. So last thing. And we usually joke and say, write in, because we don't actually have any way of you to write in, except for our Instagram account, which Hannah mentioned. 
Um, our Instagram account is at I know why the Nick Cage bird sings, uh, N-I-C-K. I know we spell it wrong. So along those lines, Hannah and I, for a long time now, have considered changing the name of the podcast. First, we considered changing it to be more appropriate. I know why the Nick Cage bird sings in terms of N-I-C, uh, is, which is how he actually abbreviates his name. But, you know, we had the Instagram, we have uh, the, the podcast, everything is under that name. Um, in and light- I take fault for that. I, mm. it, it was my yes. choice to put the K there, even though I knew that it was a C, because I felt that N-I-C-C-A-G-E would look, would look awkward together. Right. So in light of, let's say, events of 2020, and in light of the fact that our podcast is named off of a... Maya Angelou. A pun based off of a Maya Angelou poem about slavery. Yeah. And it's uh, also Black History Month. And it's also Black History Month. We were thinking about changing it to something entirely different. Mm-hmm. But we don't know exactly what that should be. Uh, so I, realistically now, if you are a fan of the, the program that we have here, um, if you have any, any ideas for uh, a new podcast name entirely or... If you feel strongly like, no, I think it's fine the way it is. It's just a silly pun. Yeah, write in I've and let us know. Few, I've asked a few people. Mm-hmm. No one seems to be offended because yeah. they know that, you know, we. We didn't write it to be racist. Of no, course. of course you not. Know, I mean, you can go back and listen to our episode on, on Wind Talkers, which, you know, um, we we highlight a lot of, you know, we're, we're I think we're pretty socially aware is, is what I'm saying. But, so, but we don't want to. You know, make anybody uncomfortable or, or no, anything and if, like that. You know, when we get famous one day, yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> we don't want this to come back and bite us. So, when we run for government, <laughs> yeah. Well, I you never know. Yeah. One of my thoughts was cage before beauty, so I'd like to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, you meaning the listeners. I know right. Steve's thoughts on it. He's not a hundred percent sold. Right. So you know, cage before beauty is. You know, I guess we could make it. Like, oh, we're, we're putting Nicolas Cage movies before our own, before our own health. health. <laughs> uh, whereas I Know Why the Nick Cage Bird Sings is, you know, we're learning. It's, it's It implies we're learning as much as we can about Nicolas Cage. That's fair. You know what I mean? I feel like at this point in the podcast, we know as much as there needs to be. And now we are truly just putting him before our health. Well, the other issue, too, is <laughs> I, I don't know if, you know, it, if we go under a different name, if we have to completely change our podcast hosting uh, sites and and how we upload everything. I believe I've already figured out how to do it with low impact. Okay. Um, But I suppose for you listeners, you know, if we all decide together that, that changing this podcast name is in all of our best interest Mm -hmm. and it doesn't change. It's not because we didn't want to, it's because we were unable to due to some technical limitations. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. I I think we laid it out. Um, Our cat is going crazy in this room here. I think she's being super annoying because we've locked her in the room for an hour. So uh, we're going to go. I'm being annoying because I've been locked in this room for an hour. You are being annoying. (laughs) well well do we say do we use the same ending no whoa how do you how do you okay let me ask you this if we change the name to cage before beauty how would you end the podcast and remember to always put cage before beauty (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, I don't think I can say anything else that would top that. So thanks, everybody, for listening. And we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Now, freak out!